0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Saints Little Knowing Podcast. Uh, Here I am, uh, Zach, with Noah here. It's just us two today. And today we're going to be talking about uh, how Christians should think about history. Uh, This topic came up to me as I was thinking about the whole statues thing and people wanting to tear down statues as symbols of racism and as saying that America's founding and America itself is a completely racist country. And I just wanted to think, how should we think about that? Because I believe that that is an extreme view on the one side. But on the other side, I think there can be an extreme view of seeing our country as perfect, or seeing our our founding fathers, or just seeing people throughout history as perfectly complete heroes who did nothing wrong, or as villains who did everything wrong, and kind of finding the balance between that. So I guess my initial thought is, uh, Noah, what do you think you would give some advice to people about how to handle it?
1: About how I handle the statues?
0: Well, yeah. Let's start with that. How would you handle the statues? What do you think about them? Uh, okay.
1: Um, my personal thought is on the statues, right? Mm-hmm. There is a certain percentage, I don't know the percentage off the top of my head, of statues that were created for the memorial of the Civil War. Um, if, you, if you look at the history of Confederate statues being put up, there's timelines online you can look up. You'll see that relatively throughout history, there was a there was always a few statues being put up every every few years or every year or so, just commemorating like these are American lives who were lost here at this spot. And they're, yeah. they're, these are people who were lost, like at Gettysburg. If you've ever been there, you'll see there's spots saying here's where the Confederate Army stood, here's where the Union Army stood, showing where they fought and probably died at. But mm-hmm. yeah. On the other hand of that, if you also keep looking at this diagram, um, there's certain spikes in it. In 1920s, we had one of the largest spikes in all of American history of the desire for um, Confederate statues to be put up. Now, 1920s, that is a while after the Civil War. Then the next spike you see is in the 1970s. Yeah, another spike in Confederate statues. So you see these two different mm-hmm. areas of spikes going up mm-hmm. of Civil War statues, and it's and those were funded by um, what are known as oh, what were they? It's like the Southern Daughters or the Daughters of Dixieland or or something mm-hmm. along that. They were it was a one okay, central wow. organization funding these majority of these statues and getting the funding to these. It might be like Daughters of Dixieland or something like that. And So in my opinion, how I would say we should handle it personally, is the ones that were put up in the 1920s and the 1970s as a celebration of racism and slavery and commemorating to the time of that and looking back at that, I say we should be getting rid of those statues. Um, Because really, if you look at any other country who's had a significantly negative part of their history, they don't really commemorate that. I mean, you don't see Germany putting up statues of Hitler and you don't see England putting up statues of the other kings who they had to take over when we were to make United Kingdom. Um, yeah. So that's just personally how I think we should handle that, is get rid of the ones that were created in those time frames that are commemorating or memorializing or being apologetic to the Confederate states.
0: Yeah, I agree with what you're saying there, and I think... Uh, I would add, that I think as well, we need to be careful to remember that they were a terrible event in our nation's history that we're commemorating. Because often statues are put up a while after the events that actually happen for various reasons. They aren't always right after the events. So I would say that it's important to say statues that honor something that is clearly wrong and was, was against stuff Because like right now, people would say, oh... You know, oh, you put up a statue of George Washington. That's probably that was put up during a racist time. It's like, well, no, that was not a specific evil in America. That mm-hmm. was someone who founded America, who's important in American yeah, history. Yeah, like the like Confederacy is. Yeah, like there, there was, was one like,
1: statue, like the uh, Columbus one, that they pulled over and like they threw on the ground and they spray painted. Yeah. I don't remember where it was, but they 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 basically they um, vandalized this whole statue of Christopher Columbus. Now, while well, granted. I don't know what time frame that statue was put up, but if it wasn't put up within the two time frames I spoke of, I don't see why we should have done that. He was still significant to history in some portion of Finding
0: America. Yeah, and I think this is important to distinguish, is that, that we're not saying, with the statue, I don't think, I feel like as a Christian you can have a clear conscience about putting up a statue, even if the person did some, some bad things, because it's like, well, you're putting up a statue to honor a specific deed they, they did. I mean, as Christians, we believe that everybody is sinful and is is flawed and is nobody's going to be perfect. So at some level, you have to be like, yep, statue honors the specific deeds of that person. We don't mm-hmm. have to think that the person doesn't have to be perfect, because if they were perfect, then they'd be God, and they're not a human. Right. They wouldn't be a human. So right.
1: I think that's, that's kind we're... of the I think you're right there because I think people are getting to the point where they're going to, they're they're trying to look past the statue and they're going to try to look at what the person did in their life elsewhere. Um, I think they're going to try to look and see like who were they actually, how they act towards the people that were in their service. Um, What did they do other than the one thing that we know about them doing? Like how, like, is there something big here that they did, like the Christopher Columbus thing, the big thing that they say that he did was, um, was slaughtering and killing natives, which i pretty sure he did. I don't know the entire history of Christopher Columbus as well as I probably should.
0: No, he uh, he did. Yeah. He
1: did? Okay. Which ones did he do? Was it the, it was the Bahamas, right? Or was it Florida? Um,
0: it was uh, the island that's now uh, Haiti and uh, the Dominican Republic. That okay. island. Oh, uh, that,
1: okay.
0: He was made governor over it, and obviously at the time, the expected thing that you would do as an explorer was you'd basically take the land, say all the natives are our slaves, and we're going to take as many resources as we can. Okay. And so, to some extent, I would say yes. It was obviously what he did was wrong. It was horrible, but at the same time, we're not commemorating that. We're just saying, hey, look, he was the first one who brought Europeans to the nation, which actually ultimately led to the founding of america and democracy mm-hmm. and all these things so i feel like again we have a hypocrisy where we want to say oh they have to be they have to be perfect and it's like yeah i mean what they did was horrible but that also was what everybody else was doing so by the standards of the time we just have to say well that was standard we just we know it's wrong but mm-hmm. that was standard we're just honoring his deeds now there's I, one deed of finding finding of finding america
1: right and uh, yeah that, his one deed is what everyone was to look at but i mean like Event, there's, I don't know if it's good, though. I, I could see the sympathy for wanting to get rid of it, though. I mean, you look at it and you, think, and you you just think, oh, well, he slaughtered and killed a bunch of my people and did this to all my nation, and they, to my ancestors he did this to, made us suffer all this time. Like, I could see how you kind of like want retribution for that, but you can't do it in any way. I, I don't know. It just, I could see the idea, but I don't know how well it's in logic.
0: Well, to some extent, I yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Now, I think that is another good point because I think that leads us into the whole reparations thing, right? Because that's another thing of history. of We're looking back and saying something horrible happened in our past uh, with slavery and racism and all this stuff. Therefore, in order to solve it, we must spend all this money now in the future. And I just think that the main thing that brings me back to is, from a Christian perspective, you know, God says that vengeance is mine. So at some mm-hmm. level, yes, government should do what is right, but we can't go back and redo everything from the past because that's God's perspective. We mm-hmm. have to get over that and say, look, I have to forgive and move on. But there obviously is a balance. I would agree that there are certain government things the government should be doing. I mean, we should be getting rid of active racism now. But to go back in time and redo all, rehash all that, just seems wrong because everyone has wrongs that have committed against them at some point. Now some are a lot bigger than others, but to give reparations to one group, like black people, but not to other groups like Hispanics or any of that, like, where do you stop? Everybody has something they can say they've mm-hmm. done. I mean the Irish can say the Irish can say, well at some point we were banned from certain neighborhoods, you know? But all these different groups can say we have a right to get reparations. I just think there's a point where we have to move past of judgment and just say there has to be some forgiveness and maybe an honor.
1: Well, I think, though, is why you see, like, the black population wanting to have more reparation, more representation is because they see things still happening to them. That They still see things happening. That's a discriminatory factor. I mean, we still see Uh, some different treatment with the police, potentially. We see some different treatment with elections and uh, arrests and just police treatment towards them. And so I think that's why you see it more prominent with that population rather than the Irish or the, uh, well, probably the Hispanics maybe, I'm not sure entirely, but I'm sure it's there. But that's why you probably hear it more cried out from the minorities because the minorities are more discriminated upon than the Irish, the Italian or anything else, those are now considered um, white as, as it happened. I mean, eventually they just round them all together and said, oh, you're all white, instead of calling us
0: Irish, Italian, stuff like that. Yeah. No, I know what you're saying, but I, I do think that that's where I think we have some cultural confusion, because I think there's a, there needs to be a distinction made between righting wrongs now and going back to the past and saying we need to right wrongs. So I think if you're going to give welfare money or money to different programs to try to replace the police with them more fair, that's a whole other issue. I feel like the issue of reparations, though, is basically going back into history and saying, because bad things happen in history, therefore we need to keep on bringing those up and people need to pay for those now. And Mm -hmm. I just feel like that is a wrong attitude to have about Mm this.
1: I I think the way that we should approach it, is honestly how Germany has approached the concentration camps you know yeah like they've kept they've kept the um, they've kept the physical camps up and intact and allow people to go see them and understand what they went through and to see the pain, the suffering, the humiliation, the torture, the killing that they went through and when people can see that they can more relate to it and become more sympathetic to the cause and then therefore treat them in a more equal way or be more prone to or be less prone to be shown to a radical ideal against that group of people. Like right now in Germany, if someone were to try raising up a radical view against the Jewish population, there would probably be a rising up against that as we've seen with the recent uprising of Nazism in Germany again. uh, It's not that bad, but they are deploying police out to it, like squatters of police, just getting rid of it as much as possible. And there's a public backlash of the majority not wanting it. So I think if we were to remember it in a way that was showing to what they went through, I think that would be better off. I don't know if statues would be the way to go to remember something like this personally.
0: Well, what I was going to say is that I know that in, I believe it's Mississippi, there's a memorial they just put up that just like our memorials for different wars and the casualties there, it lists all the people who we know of who were lynched in the South. Mm-hmm. And kind of says, to honor them, we're honoring their memory of what happened to them. Exactly. And so, yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. I mean, we need more of that. If we had more of that, then I think there'd be more of an understanding.
0: Yeah. And so I think what it's important to remember, though, about your example from Nazism in Germany, though, is that at some point things don't go away completely and so to Mm -hmm. expect that you know we need to eradicate everything that's racist or whatever well that's that's just not going to happen it's it's a matter of time because even in even in germany you know you think for all the horrible things that they did you would think that anti-semitism would be gone and yet it's not if anything it's i mean it's a lot less strong than it was but still there's, Germany is one of the countries with some of the strongest anti-Semitism right. of any country. It's really, it's really strange the way I that works. S-
1: I saw before Corona was hitting, I remember seeing articles out about there being a reported rise in anti-Semitism and a rise of Nazism in Germany. So you're right. You, you won't ever get rid of it, I don't think. But I don't know. There comes a, there comes a point in time where you can get to the point of having a majority of population against it. And I guess right now, a lot of people feel the majority of the police population isn't against that, I guess. Like they, they feel there's a majority going out inside the police they feel is for, against them and they want to do something as a reparation or showing that, hey, we're being discriminated against and we want, we want people to not do that anymore. And I guess statues is one way of doing it. I, I don't know, I don't know.
0: I don't think it's a, it's a good way because I think that it goes out of control. And I think once you start taking down one statue, where do you stop? Because every person is flawed. And that's where I just think, I feel like part of it is against our idea of we want to idolize our here. So I, I agree. That I think there's been some, some idea of we go back and look at the founding fathers and say they were absolutely perfect. And I think that actually in America, I feel like we're moving pretty strongly away from that. Oh, I feel yeah. like when you, talk, when you go to the, on the college campus, you know, like, for me, when I took my American history classes, just the basic ones, they were like, look, slavery was going on. But they tried to prevent, present both sides of it. Like, look, there were a lot of positive things the founding mm-hmm. fathers did, even as slavery was definitely in the background. And you have to keep on bringing that up. So I, yeah. I think you can have a balanced perspective.
1: I think, I, think, I, don't, I, think, I don't know, I think, the, I think that's a good to present like the founding fathers in a way that there are flaws to them. Um, I think that I think that's the right thing to do because even at like George Washington's house, they they present him as saying he owned slaves. He he owned him and his wife, him and Martha, owned slaves. But George Washington freed his slaves at the time of his passing. Only yeah. his slaves, of so Martha couldn't really free hers. Um, yeah. And I think I think that's a, I don't know I think it's a great thing to show that the people did it and admit that they did it rather than cover it up.
0: Yeah, I think this is one of the dilemmas actually if of history, I think, because I remember going to Thomas Jefferson's house, and they had like this whole thing where they talk about all the slaves and what they might have been like and all this stuff. And It's like, well, I mean, that's good. I think we need both perspectives. However, the whole reason you're coming to that house is because Thomas Jefferson did some significant things. So at some point, if you put so much emphasis on slaves who, yes, it's important to recognize what happened, but they were in every house, everywhere, at some level, you have to keep a balance there. And I think right now, we're in a swing of history where we don't want to acknowledge any of the great people. We'll not just go to all these, you know, obscure people and say, oh, well, they were just as important. It's like, yeah, everybody is important. I agree. But at some level, we often look at the great people because they kind of embody what was going on and they mm-hmm. kind of were some of the movers of it. And even as people moved society themselves, common people are who move things ultimately. You know, we look at the people at the top because they kind of epitomize everything that was going on. Well, they might so be.
1: Yeah. It might be obscure, Zach, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean we shouldn't acknowledge them or show something that happened to them. Because there's a there's a lot of probably black heroes that happened throughout of slavery that were largely ignored because of the fact that were black. We just never saw many statues put up for them and honor them, or many or any mention of them in history books because they were black. I mean, we never saw that, so I don't think it's good to say, well, they're just putting they're putting these obscure people up when we don't really know who they are. I mean, there's, I've heard, I've heard, I've only read it, I need to read more into it, but I heard tell of, like, a whole, like, people trying to run for government, and right after the civil war, like, there was a black population trying to get involved with government, and start trying to sell, to share their ideas, and start trying to run for offices, I hear there's a whole group of those people, I never even heard of that before, I don't know much more about beyond what I just told you, but I think... If we start recognizing those more people we can get more idea of what happened in history because i mean there's right now you could even argue there's some parts of history ignored because we're not representing these obscure people as we'd like to call them
0: yeah i understand your point there and i do feel like those people need to be recognized um, after the civil war i do think on a separate point though as far as when people were slaves like in general we need to know what the conditions were but because they were enslaved and poor and many of them were illiterate there's not a whole lot we can know about them because mm-hmm. most of their stories are never recorded. So I think there is somewhat of a difference between that and after the Civil War where certainly those people after the Civil War, I mean, they always talk about there was a guy who was several people elected to the Senate mm-hmm. and House who were black. And they always were like, they were, this was the last black person elected to the Senate like until like 1965. And you're like, wow, that's yeah. insane what happened. So those stories need to be told. I agree.
1: I, yeah, I, I think that we, we as America, aren't doing a good job as that because I never even heard of that through through general school. I mean, growing going through general education, that's from the state, that's from the from the state that they say what we get. I never heard of that. I, I never heard anything about that kind of thing happening. So I think we're doing a, a, a injustice to it, even culturally outside of statues, of showing these things happened rather than just saying slavery occurred, went on with our lives after the Civil War was over.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that you say that, because I oh. don't know about the high school level. I do know that at the college level, I felt like it was presented to me pretty clearly, like, here's what happened. here's what you need to know, and I felt like there was it was pretty obvious what was going on. So I don't know about the high school level, but I know at the college level, I definitely got a pretty balanced perspective, where they presented all those facts and all those different black people and what was going on with them. However, I think that brings up another point. That um, uh, Have you heard of the 1619 Project? Uh, I don't think I have. So the 1619 Project was a New York Times series in uh, 2019 because it was 400 years since the first slaves were brought to America. Oh, really? And so they wanted to do a series about, um, yeah, because the first slaves were brought to America at Jamestown in 1619 um okay but okay yeah see there you go that's another one (laughs) well i knew i knew the town
1: but i just couldn't remember the year
0: yeah so in 2019 they presented a whole series that basically said all these different things about how america's america's a fundamentally racist country how all these different elements about america are all under have racism underlying them and i think what people people's pushback to that was is that it presents it as like America is an irredeemable country and there was nothing good from America besides racism. And so I know that there was another, um, another project uh, made by black historians that they called the 1776 Project, where they were pushing back saying, look at all the accomplishments of black people within the American system despite the racism. And so they tried to kind of give a different perspective of like, hey, yeah, racism was happening, but there's also a lot of positive things and how it actually ended up helping many black people in the end, so that today there is a growing middle class in the black community that is is doing something for America. Mm-hmm. I th-
1: okay. I, I see. I, I think I think both are important though. I don't I don't know. I there's like when somebody publishes an article like that and they're going to highlight the negatives of that. I think, of course, we're going to walk away with like a a, uh, a bad feeling about because they don't have anything good. But I don't know if just because they don't have anything good, we should just say, well, they're just trying to focus on the bad stuff. I th- I think I don't know. I think we should just learn the good as the bad as much as we can because we know the good already. I mean, we're, we're taught the good all through our lives of what like America is. But I don't know. I think we should have to kind of focus on the bad. I remember there was one guy who had that ideology where he told history from the side of the losers. Uh, Like he told the colonization of America through the Indians. Um, Hmm. He told the industrialization and the the, uh, agricultural ideas that spawned up from the... At from the perspective of the slaves, uh, he told, like, he went, on the, he went on the other side of everything that, than what we tell everything from in our history books. Like, he told it from their side of the story. Like, they, they presented it, here's what was going on to them, and that type of idea. And I think, that's, I think that might be what we have to do to represent the past discrimination for the minorities.
0: Yeah, you know, I understand what you're saying there. and I think that what you're saying is one of the is kind of the current wave in America, at least at the college level, from what I hear from the history of professors I learned from. Um, but what I would say is that I do think there is something to be said about um, not always seeing the negative, however, because if you always do that, what you end up doing is thinking that America is this horrible place and it's you know terrible and whatever. Without realizing that America is one of the places with the most freedom of speech, mm-hmm. freedom of religion, freedom of assembly, you know, free vote, economic prosperity. I mean, we're in, we're, America is incredibly prosperous. So I think that there is a, a balance, again, that you have to present you – you should present the negative side, yes. But if you don't present enough positive, then everyone just ends up coming away with the impression that America is a horrible country and that any other place on earth would be better except instead of realizing that, look – America is actually one of the wealthiest and nicest places to live of anybody. You are special if you were born in America. You you were born to more prosperity than anybody else at any time in history.
1: Hmm. I mean, I get what you're saying, but if you start going that route, um, you get the fear of uh, nationalism, and then you get kind of trapped into that, like staying positive too much. I mean, like we've had... Like, I think that's probably one of the biggest criticisms to our current president is he tried to stay positive too much. Like he tried saying it'll go away. It'll like with the coronavirus, he kept saying it'll go away. It'll vanish like a flash. It'll just go away. Instead of saying the actuality of the situation of something's happening, I don't. I think, I think there's one. There's a one hand to say that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, America's great. You have the, you can make the most money in the world. You can be richest person here. You can You can maybe do the American dream if you're lucky enough. Uh, you can go to college, you can get a job, start a family and all that. But then there's, we well, have to look at where we came from. You have to understand why we got to where we are. I, I don't. I don't know how you would handle telling people that. And I think that if we were to try to tell the history of the minorities, I don't know how much good you can get from that except for in the last 60 years.
0: Yeah, I mean, here's what I would say. I would say that this kind of brings to mind that whole proverb that says, you know, one man's story seems right until another man comes and tells his story, and kind of the whole idea of like hearing both sides that you get an accurate story, not just believing one side that only looks at how the minorities were treated or one side that only looks at how the white people were treated. You know, I think that there's a balance where we can balance in between that. And I I feel like that's where I think that then we can see that. And the other thing, I think, shifting this a little, is also the whole idea of, you know, God works through the hardships and the terrible things that happen. So even though it's hard to see how racism and how, you know, any of the things, all the terrible things that happened in history... How those can be positive, we do know that God still worked good through them. And so, from a Christian perspective, we can say that there is some good in terms of stories of people who followed God despite living in those horrible conditions and being mistreated like that.
1: Hmm. I see. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Do you think that the statues then are the first step to showing both sides of the story?
0: Uh, I think that a well a well-told story in a museum or even just in a like plaque in front of a monument or even just seeing different monuments and you know understanding their significance and understanding what's around them, I think that can tell the story better. So I think instead of tearing down the monuments, I think we need to think of how can we tell the story better in a, in a way that explains the monument and so that when we see the monument, we think, hey, there, here's multiple ways to look at it, not just the negative of, oh, it's a symbol of racism, tear it down. So, I think we can look at any statue and say, look, it is a beautiful... Uh, it's First of all, it's a beautiful work of art, and yes, some statues are wrong and should be torn down. But in general, I think we should be more uh, nuanced about our understanding of statues rather than just tearing them down right away.
1: Okay. So what do you think, I got the Smithsonian? They have a black history museum separated, separated from the rest of all the museums, like from the American <laughs> history from the aircraft, from everything, there's one entire museum dedicated to black history. Do you think that should be incorporated with the rest of everything?
0: Um, That is a really good question. You know, I remember being in DC and seeing that museum and just going, hmm, yeah, what do I think about that? And so-
1: I I never even thought about it.
0: Yeah, my, my my first thought when I see it is, Yes, I think it's wrong. I know that black people have had a completely different experience, but so have Hispanic people. So have Native Americans. So have, you know, women, if you want to go with that. You can't just divide everybody else into groups. If you keep on dividing everyone into groups, then what do you expect except a bunch of people who are really angry at each other? So, yes, I think that each group has something unique to them. That, you know, that there's just a unique part of their history and their backgrounds and everything that no one can accurately portray. But I think that. If you put it all together in one museum instead of separating it out, if it's supposed to be on the National Mall doing that. I mean, you can make a more individualistic museum, you know, for individual groups in other places. But I still feel like on the National Mall, there should be more unity with that. And so I don't, I don't love it, but I think that I think there is some positive from it, and I think right. that it can do some good. But I don't love the placement on the National Mall. I feel like it kind of shows some of the disunity of our country.
1: I think if anything they should do with the building is they should um, take it and incorporate the black history into the rest of American history because it's American history after all and it should just become together in one image as you were saying. I think they should incorporate it into the American History Museum if anything and try to say this happened in it but with the emphasis on it maybe like a whole section on like if you were to walk into an area, one size perspective from the uh, slave, perspective from the uh, from the master, that type of idea, when you walk into a room and you can see both sides of it.
0: And then I think also just seeing the people who were not involved in slavery at all and just were kind of passive participants mm-hmm. in the sense of being part of the economy or whatever. But yeah, I, I see what you're saying. They're kind of unifying it all in one. And I right. do think that's the ultimate message that I feel like, we need to be able to get to with history is saying, look, there's been terrible things that have happened. We can see all the different angles of history from the different people and have a new ounce view of it, knowing that everyone is flawed and that everyone experiences some level of human, of, you know, human, human misery, just from inflicted by other people or their circumstances or any of that stuff. And so I think just having a combined perspective of, look, everybody is valuable and everyone's story should be told. But we can all do it together, and by elevating one person's story, doesn't mean we need, need mean we need to tear down another whole group of people and tear down their story.
1: So, what do you think of a
0: uh, what do you think of Stone Mountain? Oh, the mountain in uh, the Confederacy. Yeah,
1: the one that was created in response to Rushmore.
0: Um, first of all, I don't know how you're gonna take it down. I don't know. I don't. I don't,
1: I don't know. I mean, you can blow it up, but. Like, what do you think
0: about it? Like, um, I think I think when it was made, I think it was completely wrong, and I think the purposes behind it were terrible. I think um, so, too. I think I think today, I think that the best way to handle it, I think, would be to be to have an exhibit there that explains kind of the cultural movement that led to that mountain being created. I mean, and so you explain it not from a like positive perspective, from a perspective of, look, this is the whole movement that was behind it and this is what was going on in our country. So you present the history of the mountain in the sense of saying, if not just the mountain itself, so how it was built, but also explaining here's the situation that led to this occurring.
1: I, I don't know. I have to disagree with that. I think that we should be, I should think, if anything, um, it was made as kind of like the, the uh, coup de Gras of the Ku Klux Klan in the 1920s, uh, or fift, or 15s or the 20s. I think that if anything, we should maybe take some TNT to it. I know it's artwork. I know it's I know it's supposed to be like a very nice work of art, but the whole clan, the clan was literally working on it. And I don't think that we should in America keep something that a terrorist organization made a memorabilia to their past.
0: Yeah, I see what you're saying. I think that... Um yeah, I think the whole statue thing. I, th- I think it's just a very controversial subject, and I think that's why it's it's hard to take one side or the other because I think there are a lot there are good reasons for both sides, and so I think it gets very tricky. So, yeah. So, no, Noah, do you? Uh, how much time do we got? We're at
1: thirty-two. Um, so I was going. Okay. I was going to close. I was going to say Stone Mountain, and then I was going to say after that we could probably close
0: it. Um, okay. Do you have anything else to say? Uh, no I think thank you for joining us on the Saints of All Knowing, and yeah. we'll see you next time
1: um, yeah thank you for joining us uh, we're kind of going shifting back online um, so bear with us here as we keep doing the shifting over and shifting back into person so you might see our audio quality shift up and down back and forth um, but we're going to try to figure something out here as we go potentially back into quarantine come out of quarantine who knows what happens but as Zach said uh, thank you for listening